0: Safety. At the end of the parsha, there is actually two things that the Torah discusses, and they are interrelated, of course, because when there is a smichas ha hakra, when the to puts, when the Torah puts two separate parshas together, that teaches us certain lessons. The second to last parsha in, in this parsha. The penultimate section discusses honest weights and measures, that when a person has a business and he has to have scales in his business and measuring equipment, the Torah warns a person that you have to be impeccably honest. You shouldn't have in your pouch a weight and a weight, a large one and a small one meaning sometimes it's more advantageous to you in business to put a heavier weight on the scale that's not the right size, but in a larger sense, let's say, if it's supposed to be a pound weight, you would make it a little bit more. Sometimes you would make it a little less, depending on whether you're buying or selling, uh, and you would have two weights in your pocket. The Torah says don't do that. And likewise, at home, you shouldn't have different types of measures, a large one and a small one. A person instead should have a perfect and honest weight. And a perfect and honest measure you should have. L'man y'arichu Mechala l'adoma sheh Hashem l'kecha. N'aisen l'achs that you have arichas yomim. Ki sayavas Hashem l'kecha kol Isa eyleh, kol Isa aval HaKadosh considers it an abomination. All who do this, all who act corruptly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu despises. That's the second to last section of this week's parasha. And of course, the final section of this week's parsha is the famous parsha zachar of zachar, you should remember the terrible things that Amalek did to you on the road. He attacked you when you were very weak and leaving Mitzrayim. And then there's an obligation of Timcha Ezech Amalek, you have to eradicate the remembrance of Amalek, Mitachas. Hashemayim from under the heavens, Latishka. Rashi points out, like I said before, that there is a smichos between these two parashias. There is some correlation by virtue of the fact that these two sections are juxtaposed to one another. And Rashi explains, based on the Chazal, the reason. Rashi says that the reason why the Torah puts these two parashias together is because if you are dishonest with your weights and measures, if you are not acting impeccably, honestly in business, you should be very concerned, you should be kept up at night, haunted by the fact that an enemy might attack, that a malik might attack, and he quotes a pasuk in Mishlei, Mirma Hashem, and then it says after that, Ba Zodain Hakadosh Baruch expects us to have honest weights, and if you have Mirma, if you have deceitful weights, if you have weights that are not honest, that are off kilter, that are not accurate weights, so Hakadosh Baruch the pasuk in Mishlei continues the enemy will come and do terrible things. So that's the reason, says Rashi, why these two parashiyas are connected, because if you are not honest with your measures and with your weights, if you're conducting your business in a dishonest manner, you're cutting corners, you're cheating your customers, you're acting in a way that's reprehensible, that's not ethical... Be very careful because Amalek is about to attack. Amalek has a way to attack if a Jew is dishonest in business. That's what Rashi in this week's parsha is telling us. And the question that I was bothered with was that we know if we go back to Sefer Shemais when we first are introduced to Amalek, it says, V'yoveh Amalek, he does battle with Yisrael berufidim, And there's a very famous Chazal on that Pasuk that why does Amalek come? What's the reason for Amalek coming and attacking Klal Yisrael? How is he able to be, be, find a way to attack Klal Yisrael? Because it was berufidim. Sharafu yidei minatairah. Yisrael's hands were weakened in Tyra. They weren't learning properly. They were battling, perhaps. Somehow they were weak in Tyra. Then Amalek comes and attacks. Sharafu yidei minatairah. Vayaveh Amalek. Amalek comes when there's a rifian in Tyra. when we're shvach in Tyra. So... Lochaira, this seems to be Saicer, the Rashi in this week's parsha. What's the reason why a malik is attacking? Is he attacking because we are weak in Torah, or is he attacking because we are dishonest in business? It's one or the other, lochaira. So, how do you make these two chazalin into one? I wanted to say the following idea. There's a Gemara in Saitan, that when Yaakovinu died, and the Psukim described this, how he had a tremendous entourage that took him, escorted him, and his final respects were paid to him by his sons, by the Shif Teikah, and they bring him from Mitzrayim, led by Yeshiv Hatzadik, all the way up to the Mariz Machpelah. At the Mariz Machpelah, what happens? There was some problem with burying Yaakov in the rightful grave that he was uh, supposed to be buried in. All of a sudden, Esav himself, the Chveid of Atzma, comes. He stands by the mouth of the cave of the Mara, and he says, "What's going on over here?" They said, "We're burying our father Yaakov." He says, "What do you mean you're burying him? That that where are you burying him? That that's my plot. I'm entitled to that plot." They said, "No, you sold your bacheira to Yaakov, and he's entitled to it." And Esau said, "Absolutely not." So they said, "Well, we have a deed that proves this." He said, "Okay, I'd love to see it. Show it to me." Well, the, the only problem was that the deed wasn't with them. They didn't bring it. They it was in uh, it was in Mitzrayim still. They sent Naphtali down to Mitzrayim. Naphtali Ayala Shlucha. Naphtali was a swift Ayala. He was a type of. He was compared to an animal that's very fast with tremendous resources quickness, he starts running down to Mitzrayim to fetch that deed that would prove that that plot belongs to Yaakov Avinu. Well, there was a grandson of Yaakov Avinu by the name of Chushim. He was the son of Dan. He was hearing impaired and he didn't understand all the chachmas going on between Esau and the brothers and 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 Naphtali. All he saw was one thing. His grandfather was his grandfather was sitting there was lying in wait trying to be buried and this man Asab was preventing his burial. Chushim could not tolerate this terrible he takes a, a club and he knocks Asab's head and he kills him. That's the end of the Gemara in Saita but the Targum son in Bereshis, Nun Pasigud Gimel continues where that Gemara left off and teaches us a tremendous thing. And I think we all know this from our childhood that not only did he hit him with a, with a club and kill him, but what happened was that his head, the head of Esau, actually rolled, was beheaded, and it was, it sort of rolled and it landed in Ma'ara Pela. So, in fact, Esau's head is found in Ma'ara Samahpele. and if you go to the Ma'arah itself, there's actually a room, a small room when you come into one of the entrances, and legend has that that's the room that underneath is buried the head of Esau. It's interesting, the Arabs don't know this legend. They call it the kever of Yasef. They think for some reason that Yasef is buried there. They call it the room of Yasef. But really, it's Esau's head according to our tradition, but it's marked as the uh, the room of Yasef. We know Yasef is buried in Shechem, but it's, they don't know that, or they, they don't accept that. They they say this is the room of Yasef. But our tradition has it that Esau's head is actually buried in Mara Samachtel. The question is, why? What's the deeper, when you see a Chazal like this, when you see a Targum Yenison like this, you have to understand, you know, what's the reason why? It's obviously a, an interesting fact that yes, that Asaf's head was buried in the Mara, the rest of his body was buried somewhere else, apparently. Why? So Aaron Cutler in Mishnah Baron if you want to look it up, it's, found in Chelek Beis, page 70 in the Mishnah of Aaron, he says a beautiful, beautiful pshat he says that Esau was a big Talmud Chacham we think of Esau a bad guy, terrible guy probably a tremendous, like just a boor uh, you know, a hairy Neanderthal type of person that just went around doing Averis all day tremendous Amaretz it's not true Esav happened to be a tremendous Tamil Chachem. Esav was no slouch. Esav was learning in the same yeshiva as Yaakov Avinu was. Esav was had a grandfather had a grandfather of Ramavinu, had a father of Yitzchak. He was brought up in the house of Tyra. Don't kid yourself. Esav was, was a Ganshain Talmud Chachem. We should have the cup of Esav. So then what happened? What happened to Esav was that it stayed in his head. All the tyro, all the Chachma that he learned was in his brain. It was a cerebral experience for him. It was an intellectual gymnastics. But it never actually trickled down into his Ramach and Shasagidim. It never entered the bloodstream of Esav. It didn't go into his extremities it stayed in his head all of that Torah all the Halacha all the Kedusha that all stayed in Esau's head but it didn't go south and that's why Esau was a tremendous avarian he did all the other errors in the book you know castigate Esau terribly Esau's head was fine but If it's just intellect, and it doesn't actually translate into action, into deed, it's worthless. Zachter of Aaron, head deserved to be buried in the Ma'ara because his head was full of Kedusha. His head was like one of the others. His head had the Chachma and the Taira of Yitzhak Avinu, of Avraham Avinu. He probably learned B'chavrusu with Yaakov Avinu. So why wasn't the rest of his body buried there? Because, plain and simple, there was a disconnect between his head and his body. His head was full of kedusha, but his body was not. His body never got that kedusha. His body did its thing, and his head did its thing. There was a, a severance in life between his mind and his heart, between his brain and his actions, that's why, whereas his head was zeicha on the Marasa machpelah because of its status as as a chasher of head, the body didn't make it in because the body was disconnected from his head. His body had to stay out of the ma'ara. His body had no shayches to his head. His head was great. His body was really bad, and that split between his mind and his heart, between his 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 and his guf says iron is the reason behind this Targum son why his head was in the Mach Pewa and his body was not. It's a beautiful, beautiful yisai that Rav Aaron gives us. Contrast Esav with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu was an ish Tom yesheh He was a perfect person. He was complete. Tom. he was Tamim, Yeshiva Halem Rashi says, he didn't know from any shtick. He didn't know what Esav did to be Merameh, his father. He, he was an Esayid. He was constantly trying to trap his father. He was trying to make people believe that he was a big Tamachacham. Esav was famous for asking his father these lumbish questions about whether you have to take Meiser from salt, and his father fell for it. His father said, wow, he's such a Tamachacham, such a medotic, it's it baloney. He was a hypocrite. He didn't do anything that he was saying. He was very, he was talking the talk. He wasn't walking the walk. Yaakov Avino was different. Yaakov Avino was an Ishtam Yeshivahalam. He did everything. Whatever he learned, that's what he put into action. He was Tamimistic. Rashi says that when it says Ishtam, when the Pasuk says an Ishtam, you know what that means? Einai baki bachal elu. Kilibai kain piv. His heart was like his mouth. If he said something, he did it. He said what he said, and he meant it, and he did it. He put everything into action. That's what makes him a Tom. If somebody's not a Bucky in being Marama people, he's simple, he's straight, he's pure, he's honest, he's genuine, he's real, he's legit... That's called a tum. I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do what Esau's doing. I don't know how to say one thing and do another thing. I don't know how to learn and, and pretend to be one way and really be another way. The Medrash compares Esau to a chazer. Because a chazer, when it's rolling around in the mud, it sticks its, its, its feet up. Kiilu say, like, look at my feet. My feet are, are, are kosher. Because it has split hooves. It doesn't chew its cod, so it's trait, but it wants to show people superficially, externally, how chashav he is, the pig, but he's Khza trait. That's ASov. ASov is this disconnect between mind between, you know, really putting on a good show, but b'chadre Khadarim doing something totally different. Hypocritical. Dual personalities. Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde, he, he pretends he's one way, but he's really different. He pretends the a big-time he looks like a big-time he shows his, his hoofs to everybody as if he's kosher, but really his actions are different. His mind is one way, his mind is very holy, and as he learns and he davens and he looks very firm, but what he's really doing with his heart and with his goof is totally different. There's a tremendous disconnect in Esau. That's the definition of Esau. Asav is somebody that's an Isheh De'et Zayid. He's Tzav B'Fiv. He's fooling everybody. He's hunting the world. He's scamming everybody. He acts really from, he looks from, he's got a really impressive mind. And everybody, oh is Chashev. But of course, in his actions, he's a murderer and he's a thief and he's an Avidev. He does all. His body doesn't follow suit with his brain. There's a disconnect between what he's learning and what he does. That is Esav. Yaakov Avinu by definition, and what Klai Yisrael is supposed to be, by extension of Yaakov, we are supposed to be people that are genuine. What we learn, if we learn Halach and Shulchan it's not just for our knowledge and to impress people that we know that Halach and Shulchan we're actually supposed to do that Halach. The Asseiz and the Laisa and when we do it, then we are entitled to being Yaakov. And when we don't do it, when we're just learning and we're, we're acting a certain way, but really it's not happening that way, then we sort of lose that crown of Yaakov Avinu. And we sort of fall into the category of Rahmanul Etzlan and Esav. We have a mitzvah, Kla Yisrael does of tefillin. Tefillin is really the perfect way to describe what Klai Yisrael is. In fact, there's a Gemara in Bracha, it's a very hard to understand Gemara that says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mehniach tefillin. HaKadosh Baruch Hu also wears tefillin, Tabeachel. What does it say in HaKadosh Baruch is tefillin? It's extolling the virtues of Kal Yisrael. That's what HaKadosh villain has. We have Arts filling also. What does it say in HaKadosh Baruch We're proclaiming HaKadosh greatness. That he's Echad. He's saying, We're one. We're saying, no, you're one. And we go back and forth, back and forth, complementing each other. That's the beauty of the Tfilin. What makes us unique? What does that mean that we are amethad barats, that we are a nation that's unique in the world, we are singular? You know what makes us unique? Our Tfilin. What does that mean our Tfilin makes us unique? Because our Tfilin, what is Tfilin? tefillin is a tefillin shal yad and a tefillin shall reish what does that symbolize? well the reish symbolizes that all the parashas that we have in the reish basically all of the, the basics of amunah of faith we wear on our head in our mind in our head and the yad represents action. Whenever you want to say, you know, he's very powerful, it's always symbolized with a yad. Yad is the, is the symbol of power. <coughs> you know, he rules with an iron fist. The hand is power. The hand is action. The hand is deed. That also has to have the same, you say this, it has to be one. We have to have a and shal it's and a and shal yad. We have to proclaim the Rabbeinu Islam's greatness with emunah, with faith, not just in our head, not just a tfil and shal reish, but a tefillin shal yad. A, a, the, the, the hand, the deeds that we do have to, has to be in sync with our mind. That's what makes us great. That's what makes us an amech abaretz. If you're not going to have the yad and the rosh together, then you're not an amech abaretz. You're you're a guy. You're, a, you're an Esav. That's what Esav did. Esav would just walk around with a tefillin shal because the yad wasn't following suit. It's interesting that there's a halacha by tefillin that you always have to have a tefillin shal yad on when you have a tefillin shal on. You ever notice that? And the Gemara says that We put on our tefillin shal yad first. And then we put on a tefillin shal reish. They There has to be a tefillin shal to have a tefillin shal reish. And then when we take it off, first we take off the shal reish, And then we take off the shal yad. Because whenever we, as long as you have it on the head, you have to have it on the arm. Once you take it off the head, now you can take it off the arm. But you always have to have, the tefillin shal is never alone. The tefillin shal reish always is accompanied by tefillin shal at in every single step. You will never be wearing in your life just a tefillin shal reish it will always be accompanied by a tevil and shaliyad. Isn't that interesting? You know why? I think the reason is very partial, because the Torah is telling us that you can't just have, you can't be an asif, you can't just wear a tevil and shaliyad. You always have to have an accompaniment. If Whatever you learn, you have to put into action. You always have to have this marriage between the tevil and shaliyad and, and shaliyad. You will never have just a tevil and shaliyad without a tevil and shaliyad. That's not what a Jew does. What makes a Jew great is that you will always have a Yad together with a Reish. Shall Reish, alone? That just means you're, uh, you know, you're putting on a good show for people. You're showing the world that you have, you know, you're godly. But it didn't go down to your arm. It didn't go down to your action. It didn't spread. So you're an Asa. An Esau that has the disconnect between his his head and his body. We have we call Yisrael. We have an attachment a permanent detachment between our head and our body, between our minds and our, and our hands and our arms. That's the site of tfilin. I was just thinking, Bedarek Malitsa the other day, just as like a, maybe a cute part, or maybe there's a lot of emmes to it, but I think it's a nice chap, that there's such a thing called Rabbeinu Tamtefillin. Right? A lot of people wear Rabbeinu Tamtefillin in the world. Now, Rabbeinu Tam, his name wasn't Tam. His name was Yaakov. He was a grandson of of, of Rashi. One of the reasons why they say he was called Tam was because he was like Yaakov Avinu, like the first Yaakov Avinu was an Ishtam. That's why we call him Rabbeinu Tam. He was also Yeshiva, Aham. Rabbeinu Tam was the god of Adar. But I was thinking to say that maybe Hashkacha had it that Rabbeinu Tam... Was the one who we called. It. He was, of course, the one that was that said that the tefillin should be done in a different order than than Rashi's fillin' But it's not sam, it's not haphazard that that happened that way, because fillin shoravenu tam means that if you want to be a tam, you want to have this tamimas of avinu. You don't want to be an aistav. You want to be able to have your body and your and your mind. In lockstep with each other, that's what tzvilim do. That's what the tzmimus of Yaakovino was that his whatever he learned in that ayel, he applied, he lived, he breathed. He wasn't two faced, he wasn't a phony, he did whatever he was learning. He put into action, he put into deed. He wasn't, you know, doing aderis on the side and pretending, he was legit. Just this morning, by davening, I'm not proud that I was thinking about this during davening. But I'll, I'll just tell you, you know, a few other ha'aras that I had, and I had one last night. Is at a chasna, I had another ha'ara. I was thinking, like, where do you find else this concept of of a connection between a head and a hand? So, tell you a few things that I was thinking. First of all. We kissed the tzil and Shalyad and the tzil and a few places during davening, but the most, you know, major one I would say that you do, you do that is by the pasuk of paseachas yodecha umaspieluchal chayrotzen. Right when you say paseachas yodecha, you touch the tzil and Shalyad, The yad paseachas yodecha kodesh baruch opens his hand. Open. We we kiss the tzil and Umaspil yad umaspieluchal and he provides sustenance to everybody. We touch the tzil and We kiss the tzil and Why? Why by that pasuk? I think because when it comes to Parnasa, when it comes to Parnasa, when we go out to work, it's so important to be ethical, to be honest, to have those proper weights and measures in the shuk of life. When we're honest, that shows. When there's money involved, and there's a lot of you know temptation to cut corners and to rip off people because it's money. That's when we really get to show that we have a head and, a, and an arm that's in sync with each other. Once money, you know, everything else, I could be from when it comes to davening, I could be from when it comes to learning, I could be from when it comes to giving tzedakah, I could be from when it comes to al-Khabira. But in business, you go out into you have a store, you want to make a ton of money. What are you going to do? You're going to start like cutting corners. You're going to start giving people, you know, substandard. Merchandise. You're gonna feed them uh, stuff that's uh, lower class food and try to dress it up. You're gonna you're gonna do anything and everything that you can to scam people because it's real money. You want to come home and make a lot of money. So there. When it comes to parnasa, when it comes to this amuna that we have in the Rebbeinah we have to put, we have to touch our Shayad, touch our shalreif, say, I'm in sync. I'm going into work today and I'm going to put whatever I learned in Cheshimish put into action. I'm not going to rip off anybody. I'm not going to be dishonest with people. I'm not going to cause a scandal or a Hashem. I'm going to be very impeccably honest. If I owe somebody money, I'm going to give them the money back. If I... If I if I'm selling things that are uh, you know not proper, substandard, I'm trying to rip people off. I just saw in a, a, a in a in a book I bought for my little kid, um, a book and uh, on, about Emuna and there was a very nice story. There was like a guy in Israel, I think, and he was uh, he wasn't so from, and he uh, he was he was in the plastic cup business. And so he was selling, like, these packages of cups, 100 in a, in a package. And he said to himself, you know, I'm not making as much money as I really should be. I really wanted to make this amount, and I'm making that amount. And, you know, what should I do? He said, I have a great cup. I'm going to, instead of putting 100 cups into the package, I'm going to put 96 cups. Nobody's going to count the cups. So I'll make, you know, I automatically, you know, now make a 4%... Uh, you know, boost my my profits by four percent. I don't have to give four cups out of a hundred. I give, just give ninety six. And he did this for a long time. And then he started learning with somebody, Chayshim uh, Mishpat, and different things about being honest in business. And and Kiseitze, Evan Evin Shleimai And before you knew it, you know, he really started getting a guilty conscience. And he went to uh, Rebbe Yashiv. They said, "Go to Rebbe Yashiv. See what he." And he told them what he did. He said, I've been putting 94 cups in the, and 96 cups in the, inside of 90, so what should I do? He said, well, you can't go back and you know, do anything, but from now on, instead of putting 100 cups in, put 104 cups in. Put more cups in, into your package. Just to try to do a little bit of a chuva on that. And a couple of weeks later, there was a, uh, somebody wrote like a review, and like a consumer report, I guess, of the cups industry and they found that some people were scamming and putting less than 100 cups in but Yanko, he puts 104 cups in and like his business took off skyrocketed when it comes to Parnas it's a very difficult thing you know, it's very nice to sit in yeshiva and learn about cheshe mishpat and, and halachas and honesty and ethics but like when you go out into the real world there's always temptations to scam people, to rip people off, to you know, to undercut your competition and to bashmutz your company. Do all types of things in shtikloch in business that are really, really user, But we do it because you know it's a different world. I, I you know, but very nice on the shelf. But in real practice, I don't know if I want to do that. I want to make a lot of money. We kiss our and shal yad, and our and sheresh, that's like a pledge of allegiance to Rabbi Shalom. We are going to combine our yad and our reish. We're never going to just have the, the, the concept of parnassa just in our head. We're going to actually implement them with our yad. Isn't that a nice shot? Come on. You're not dancing? I'll tell you another thing that I thought of. When we say Shema, we cover our eyes. Shema Yisrael, we cover our eyes with our hands. That's not a coincidence either. What we're doing is we're saying that the Amuna that we have, Shema Yisrael, Hashem and Hashem Echad, it's not just in our heads. We're going to take our hand, and our hand is going to be a shuttif with our head. We're going to live Shema Yisrael. We're going to live with Amuna. We're not going to just... Think about Amunah and be philosophical about Amunah and say, yeah, in theory I believe in God, but practically, you know, in the Arches Hachayim, in the business place, different. No, no, no. I'm going to implement. My Yad is going to come up to my eyes, cover my eyes and say (coughs) Shema Yisrael," because the hand and the head, by Yaakov Avinu, is one. Tell you another application of this that I thought of. By Birkas Habonim, Friday night, the minig in many people's homes is that you bench your child after Shalom Aleichem, after Eishes Chayil. Some people don't do it every Friday night; they do it on Eruvim Kippur. But whatever your minig is, there is definitely a minig Yisrael to bench your child. How do you bench your child? You take your hands or one hand, whatever your minig is, you put it on the head of your child, and you say. Yisimcha Lakim Kephraimchanashi Ybracha Shem Yishmiracha. What does that mean? Well, the bracha is really a bracha that you're able to, like we spoke about last week, combine Ruchnias and Gashmiyas, Yibracha Shah, Rashi says, She sparchu parnasa, and you should do it in the proper way. The Birkas, the bracha of Yisimcha kefraim Kepfra Manasha also symbolizes that. Ephraim was the Talmud Chachem, Menashe was the man of the world, he was also a Talmud Chachem, but he was more, you know, he was involved in politics more, so we say you should be like Ephraim, you should be a Talmud Chachem, and you should be a Menashe, all wrapped up into one. How do you do that? I'll tell you how you do it. You take your hand, and you put it on top of your head. I'm going to take my hand, and I'm going to put it on your head, and give you this bracha as if to say What? That it has to be more than just your head. You can't just be a Tamil Chachem. You have to be a Tamil Chachem with a hand on your head. Your hand representing your deeds, your Twilin Shalyad. That has to always accompany your head. The bracha will only work if you understand that. If you understand that the arm has to be attached to your head, if you're a yid, they go hand in hand. Hand in head. Last night by the chasna, I thought of another application of this because they were singing under the chuppah, Emeshkacheth Yerushalayim, Tishkach Yemini. What does that mean? If I forget you, Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is Bechorbana, it's destroyed. The Beisamitish is no longer. Rabbi Yehuda Levi, the greatest poet, perhaps of Klal Yisrael's history, wrote this and said, "Well, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a pasuk a but he there he expanded on this. But the pasuk and that he expanded upon is a Meshkoche Yerushalayim Tishkach If I forget you, Yerushalayim." Meaning, if my head forgets you, if I have shikram, I have to remember your shalim at all times. If I forget you, what happens to me? What do I pledge will happen? Tishkach Yemini, my right hand should forget its cunning. What does that mean? If I don't have your shalim in my head, then my right hand doesn't deserve to function anymore. What's the connection between your hand and your head? The answer is, if you're a yid, they go together. If I forget about your shalim, the best thing self-inflicted punishment that I could think of is that my hand should not be able to be used. Why? Because my head and my hand are together. If I'm not using my head appropriately, then automatically a Yiddish hand would stop functioning. Only when your belief system is proper can your hand work because a hand is sort of animated by the head for a Yidd. This is what we call Nekichapayim. A yid has to have clean palms. Mi yale Hashem, you know who's the from guy that stands on the Harashem? Who's the one that stands on the Harashem with all of his Kayach, with all of his Kedusha? Nekichapayim of our leibov. You have to have You have to have clean hands. You have to be impeccably honest. You can't be an of. Your hands have to follow what your brain is learning. In the marketplace, at home, in the office, in the store, on the street, wherever you are, your hands, your actions have to be, speak what you're learning. It has to go together. If it doesn't, you're not. You're, then, then you're, you're, then it's hakol kol There's a split between yakev and esov. Your coil is very good. You sound you sound impressive. Tyra, Tvila, you're dominating, but you're Asa. That's terrible. I'll tell you an amazing Misa that happened with Rabbi Yaakov Kamenevsky. Rabbi Yaakov was an tam like the original Yaakov. And he was an Ish Emes, Titen Emesli Yaakov. He was pure honesty, Rabbi Yaakov So when I was working on my book, Great Jewish Treasures, which was, I was looking for artifacts. Of Gedalia Yisrael, but not some artifacts, not some objects that were owned by Gedalia, but objects that were iconic pieces that embodied, that symbolized what that Gaudel stood for. That, it wasn't an easy task, but I, I set out that goal for myself and I was, I think, successful. Baruch Hashem. The object that I used for Yaakov Kamnetsky, I found by his son and Yibadul Chaim, his wife, his son was nifter, but Rabbi Yaakov had a young, the youngest son. We know a lot of his sons: Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky, the Rashba, is one of his sons, and Rabbi Yamin and Rabbi Nassim. There were, he had he had several sons; they were all tremendous. His youngest son was Rabbi Avram, and also Tamuchacham. He was a businessman as well, I believe, but he Yarshind he inherited from his father a very special becher, a special cup, a silver cup that Rabbi Yaakov used. And that was the piece that I used in my book. Now, why did I use that? I mean, you probably, you know, used... Everyone has a few bechers at home in their, in their, uh, in their, in their closet, right? What's so special about this cup? So what was special about this cup, and this is an amazing story. You have to listen to the story. On the on the cup it says that this was given from a group of Yidden who learned by him when he was a rav in Toronto. He gave a shear to Balabatim. And this shear uh, presented to him before Pesach a beautiful silver befa. They went to the store, they bought a beautiful silver kais, and they inscribed it with his name, and it was given on Pesach of the year and the year that it was given. And it was a present to him for the shir and Ramam, I think, that he gave to them. Okay, fine. Very nice. Nice story, right? Eh? Now, the problem was that after they presented this kais to Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov took the kais a couple of days later, and he went to a pawn shop, which is a place that you go to you know, generally to trade in stuff. If let's say you have something of value and you need some you need to cash it in, so you go to the shop and then you give you, know, you have jewelry, you have uh, you have silver, you have candlesticks, you go to a pawn shop and you pawn it for money. So one of the Balabatim that was in that shear that really worked very hard to get to get the present and to inscribe it, to engrave it, a whole malocha that it took them he just happened to have seen Rabiakov Gamonetsky walking into a pawn shop in Toronto and he didn't know what he did in there. He didn't follow him in, but it didn't look too good. The optics, as they say, were not too good. The, what, the conclusion that this balabayas automatically jumped to, which is, I guess, what we would all is that Rabiakov is, 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 hawking, you know, is hawking his, his copies, trying to get money for He's trying to cash out on this gift. And of course, his follow us went to, back to the Chevra and said, so you're not going to believe what I just saw. The Rav just went into this store and, uh, with a kais and, you know, I think he's trying to sell it. And they were all upset. How could he do that? And told them, you know, If he needs money, let him come to us. Why would he, we, gave, we went out of our way. We gave him a beautiful gift and he's, he's selling it. Anyway, they appointed somebody to confront Rabyakov about this. And Yaakov laughs. He says, No, no, no. He says, uh, I didn't sell it. He says, So wh- why'd you take it into that shop? So he says, I just wanted to find out how much it was worth. They didn't like that answer either. Well, you want to find what you, 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 know, what, you know, you, you want to, why'd you want to know how much it's worth? Well, what do you care? It's a gift. Well, you don't look a gift, gift horse in the mouth. It matters whether it's $70 or $75. What, what difference? Enjoy it. What, what do you have to find out what it's worth? He says, you don't understand. He says, the object that you gave me is a valuable gift. And I cherish it. I love it. I would never sell it for all the tea in China. But it's a gift to me. I consider it as income. And I have to pay taxes on all my income. So when, my, when I have to report my income to the, to the government of Canada, I have to mark down how much the value of that gift was. I went into the shop in order to find out how much the gift is worth so that I could pay taxes on it. Now you know why I use that case. That's your Yaakov Kamenet, that's who I am that kais represents the emesliyakib. That kais represents Tos having a, a brain and a yan. How many people in the universe... I, I told this story, I showed this, 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 this in, in the book to a, a very big rosh hashiva, one of the biggest rosh hashivas in America. He started screaming. He said, I don't believe that. He says, I don't... If Rabbi Yaakov did it, I argue with him. I don't think you have to do that. that you have to go that far Who does that? But this is what Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky did, and this is what a yid is expected to do—to have a a mind and a heart that's in sync with one another. As long as we have this, then we're Yaakov. When we stop having it, then and Wetzelah, we become very, very close to Esav. Because that's what Esav was. There was a disconnect between the mind and the heart. Between the body and the reish. What I wanted to say was that in terms of the Midas and the Mishkalois, we had a question, how is it that we should have Midas and Mishkalois as the reason for Esau attacking, for Amalek attacking? Amalek was a grandson of, of, of Esau. How is it that we have that as the reason in our parsha, and yet we also have... Another reason of Rafidim, sharafu Yideyam How do we have both as reasons? Which one is it? Would the real reason please stand up? Is the reason for Amalek attacking because of the Yadaimide because of the Miday Samishkalis? Or is it because of Sharafu Yiday Minatira? And what I want to suggest is it's the same thing. Notice the lush of the Pasuk and And that word Rafidim has in it the contraction, as Chazal pointed out, yedehem min hatairah. There was a weakening of their hands from Tyra. That's midas and Mishkalais. That's the same thing. It's not that roshem min hatairah. They learned. They learned Tyra very nicely. Sharufu min Minatiram means. That there was a weakening of their hands. Kla Yisrael, their hands were not doing what they were supposed to. They weren't niki kapayim. There was something wrong with their interaction of their head and their hands. There was a connection that was broken between the head and the hands. For some reason, they were learning Tairah, but they weren't activating and they weren't living the taira in the world of action. Sharafu Yideyim and is the Isra of. Midais and Mishkalais that are not appropriate. When you use fake measures and you're scamming people and you're not acting kishura, that is what it means. Their, their, their minds may have been learning a lot of Taira. This is a dardea were by I seen it. But they weren't putting that Taira into action. When that happens by Amalek, Amalek says, ah, you're just like me. I can attack you. When you're different, when you're the Amanivchar, when you're Atta Echa B'Shimcha Echa Bart, when you have your Shal Yad and the Tilin Shal reish, when you have the Rabbein Utam on you, when you're Ishtam, I can't touch you. You're great. But when you sever that relationship, when your hands are different, then you're just like me. Then you're an Isha Yedei you haunt also with your mouth. You're also a disconnect between your head and your and your body. When that happens, vayavayamolik. And you know, I missed out on this, but I thought of it this, this morning also. What happens in that Parsha? In Sefer Shemais, what happens? They fight against Amalek. How do they win? You know how they win? V'hoyah kasher yorim moshes yaday go Israel when Yis- when Me lifted up his hands Kal Yisrael started to win when he put down his hands they lost what does that mean it means that the the point was you have to have clean hands it can't be your rough with you day I tell you your hands have to be like near your brain you have to pick up your hands you have to elevate your actions so that they are in sync with your brain, and then you'll be able to be a But when you put down your hands, when Meshra Rabbeinu put down his symbolic hands, the gavra amalik. And then the Pasuk says, then the Pasuk says, the hands of Mesheu Rabbeinu were Amuna. You know what amunah means? It means that he had amunah. There has to be an amunah that permeates your hands you know what the real test of Amunah is? How you act in the workplace. You could have, you could preach all you want. You know, you're from, and you're at tzaddik, you and all this and that. But the yadav have to be Amunah. It has to be that your hands, your actions, your deeds show that you really believe in the rabbi Hashanah. They have to show that when people see you, wow, that, that's what a Yid does. He takes the high road. He's always impeccably honest in business. He's the guy that comes on time to work and leaves on time. He's the guy that, you know, that makes sure that the work is done in the right way. He puts his whole heart and soul into the business, into, into earning his parnasa. He's honest. He's meticulous. He's the person we want to shop by. He's the person we want to do business with. That's what a yid is. When a yid is not that way, when the adayim uh, are not emuna, then, then, then we're ASO, Then we're amalek, And then it's possible that the Gavra Amalek, Amalek will win. The only time that we have a playoff to be Kla Yisrael is if our minds and our, and our, and our bodies are one and the same. Only when Meshav lifted his hands to show Kla Yisrael that your hands have to be munna, that's when Kla Yisrael was able to be You know, it's interesting. They once asked the Vilna Gain where his name is hinted at in the Torah. The Vilna guy knew the whole Torah, of course. But not only that, he knew where every, every, everyone's name was found in the Torah of Baramizah, in a, in a hint. So they asked him, where did, uh, where's Rabbi's name in the Torah? You know what the Vilna guy says? It's in this parish that we started with this morning about Midas and Mishkalas. It says that... Evan Shleima to Yelof. You have to have whole stones when you're measuring on the scales. You have to make sure they're perfect stones. Evan Shleima. And the Vilna Gaon says, you know what Evan Shleima is? Aleph Ben. Evan is Aleph Ben. Eliyahu is the Aleph Ben, the son of Shleima. The Vilna Gaon's father's name was Shleima. Evan Shleima is an allusion to me. That's what the Vilna Gaon said. In fact, we have a sefer, one of the svarim of the Vilna Gaon that to put out of his of some of his uh, musr, is called Evan Shlema. The reason why they call that because of this, that's where his name was alluded to in the Tyre. I had a question on this. Why is his name alluded to by this parsha? I was the Vilna in a, a businessman? Was he, you know, was he? Uh, did he work really hard? Did he have scales at all in in, in his base madrid? Like, what? Why is his name Marumazdafka here? I would, if I was writing the Torah, I would put it like somewhere, you know, in, uh, you know, by uh, by Har because he's our Messiah from Sinai. I would put it in, uh, I don't know, whatever, bracious barley, like something. I don't know why here. Such a funny place to Miramiz to the guy. So I want to tell you a story about the Gain, and I think it's going to tie in really beautifully to what we're saying today. Once upon a time, in the Basmedish of the Gain, there was a group of bandits, of Gaiisha robbers, that came and held up the Basmedish of the Gain. We know, by the way, that the Gains, tell me, them sat outside of the Gain's private study. So when you come into Basmedish, it would be, let's say, like a room like this, full of the tamideh hagra and then let's say the guy had, you know, had his private office in that room, in, in, you know, in that Sheer room, he would study there by himself all day, and once in a while maybe he'd come and give or Talmud would ask him things, but that's basically the Tsura of the Beis Medrash in, of the Gain. So robbers came up in, you know, by knife point, or whatever you call it back then, Gun, I don't know if they had guns back then, but whatever it was, they came in, and uh, they said, stick him up. So all the Talmudim, you know, all stopped learning, and, you know, they had, like, sacks, and they, you know, everybody put their, you know, all their, their cash in, and their, uh, you know, whatever, whatever valuables they were, their watches, whatever it was, they, you know, they, the, they were making off like bandits, these guys. They were, they were getting all the the Talmidim, they had grows, you know, stuff, and then they said, hey, what's in there? Any more people learning in there? They said, I don't think you want to go in there. He said, no, really, what's in there? That's where you're keeping the real money, Right? they go in, they open the door, they see the Vilna Ga'in, the Kedusha V'tara, and they get so frightened, they drop all of their, all the stolen goods, and they run out of the base Medrash. Strange story. So the Tamidim said to the Ga'in after this, Yilam Deinu like, why did they get so scared when they saw you? And why did they run, run away? So the guy says, what, "What's your question? I don't understand. Aren't you uh, you don't you don't learn chumash? You don't learn Tanai? The pasuk says, Aretz, all the nations of the world." The guy will see nikra that the name of God is on your head. The Mecca, and they'll be afraid of you. And the Gemara says, "Elu tefillin sheva It says, "Tefillin shal, shal rish." I wear my tefillin shal rish. They saw me wearing my tefillin shal reish. They got scared, as the Pasuk says that they would, and they, they left. What's, what's, what, why are you so shocked? So the Talmidim look at the guy, and they say, well, Rabbi, we have one question on that. You see, we're your Talmidim. We follow the Minagagra. We also wear our tefillin all day. When they came into the base marriage, they saw us all wearing our tefillin and reish, and that didn't stop them from sticking us up and from taking all our stuff. Why is it that your tefillin and they were petrified of and not ours? So the guy said, Well, you're not being Midayate in the Lashon of Chazal. The Gemara does not say Eilu tefillin and This is at every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's wearing a Tom, Dick, and Harry that's wearing uh, a uh, tefillin shel reish, is, you know, you get scared of. I walk around, you know, my tefillin shel reish, past the guards outside sometimes, and, you know, they don't flinch. It doesn't say it, that it's the tefillin shel reish that is going to scare off the guy in when they see you. Elo tefillin shel bereish. That means that the saithis that are contained... In the parshias of the tefillin shalreich, sort of melt into the brain of the human being that's wearing it, and it sort of trickles down south until every extremity, until every one of your amachei barm shasagidim and your lave and your maya and your and your and your and everything. That's what it means, elot and sheberaish. It's the tefillin shabaraj. It has to go in the head. I have my tefillin not on my head. I have my tefillin in my head. It's sort of an appendage of my brain. It actually seeps into me, into my very essence. That they are afraid of. You apparently, they don't have that, myra from because it's just on your head. It's not in your head. What I wanted to suggest possibly is that that's why the Vilna Gain's name is Marumazdavka here, because what we're saying this morning is, quite simply, that the parsha of Midas and mishkales is the parsha of connecting in, real, in the real world, out there in the marketplace, and in your home, and every time that you're involved in any matters of action, of deed, of business, of human interaction. That it can't just stay in your brain. The taira is not just an intellectual pursuit. It has to trickle down into your action, into your Yad. You have to have a Tzvil and shal and a Tzvil and Shal-Yad and they have to always be together. The Vilna Gain embodied this. The Vilna embodied the fact that Elot Tzvil and shabar the Rush and the Yad was always connected. Everything that the Vilna Gain did... 24-7, 365, was all informed, enlightened, and shaped, and molded by the Tyrus Hashem. There was not a single thing that he didn't do that was connected to Shulchan Arif. Everything was done. He was just completely an Ebed Hashem. Eilut Tefillin Shevarayish. That's why his name is Evan Shlema. Because Evan Shlema symbolizes that don't just think that it's enough to learn Chayshin Mishpat, to learn the halachas in Shulchan Aruch, but it has to be perfect. You have to actualize it in the shuk. In the real world, you have to actually do it. You can't have a severance like Esau between his head that ended up in the Marz Machel and the rest of his body that was out because he had this disconnect between his mind and his, and his heart. A yid has to be like the Vilna Gain. It has to be an Ishtam Yeshev Ahalim. He has to be able to combine the Shal Rosh and the Shal Yad. He has to be able to combine the Mayach and the lave, the, the rush and the goof That's evan Shlema. That's what it means to be a yid. And when we're able to have this together, a malik will never attack. We will not have to be afraid of our enemies. The only time we have to be afraid is when we let our guard down and when we show Gaim that we're like, we're like Asa. We also have a disconnect. We learn and we're Talmudic, or whatever. But When push comes and when it comes to money, I'm a different person. Out in the marketplace... I'm different. Watch out. There's no ethics, there's no honesty, there's no morality, there's no, there's no ev- anything. I'm just, I have to just do as much as I can to win and to make more money and to, and, and to be the victor. That's the site of this parsha of Midas and Mishkalis. Sharafu Yideim and is the same concept as Midas and Mishkalis. Amalek comes, as we explained, when we act like Amalek, then when there's no, we have no Ma'ila. we have no Yitur over Amalek you and our hands can never be weak from taira. The taira and the hand have to go hand in hand. And as long as they do, then we will be zaycha to the tremendous appellation that the Rubani Islam gives us in his filling of Atta Echad, the Shimcha Echad, Umi amcha Yisrael, Gai Echad Faarts. Have a good Shabbos.